Take your Bible, if you would please, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. We've had a great missions conference. The emphasis this month is on missions. And uh, I want our church to stay in the main vein of what the Bible teaches and what the Bible commands. And I'm glad that you're here today. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 for just a moment. Now the Bible says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. Now, Father, today we need your help. Father, I pray for physical strength, for mental alertness, for spiritual discernment as I attempt today to preach to the best church I know anywhere in this world. Father, we're all just sinners saved by grace. And Lord, without your endowment, without your power, without your blessing, this is going to be the biggest farce in the world. But with your blessing and with your power, stir our hearts afresh and anew to the blessings of being saved and the responsibility of sharing that faith with others. We thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I forgot to thank God for the wind. Years ago when my hair was kinky, I could get out in the wind and it would never mess my hair up at all. I have today that fly away look. Another verse for your learning today, Proverbs 11, for just a moment. Proverbs 11. Just one verse that maybe that'll stick to our spiritual ribs for just a moment. Proverbs 11. And please Look with me down to verse number 30. And the Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. We ought to be the very spring of life spiritually to all of those who do not know the Lord. 
I think the business of the church is winning lost people to Jesus Christ. There is no secondary reason or purpose for any Christian. Our purpose, the reason that our Lord saved us and did not take us to heaven immediately, the reason our Lord saved us and left us here is that we might be instrumental and be in that, that life-given source by which those who have no life, who are dead in trespasses and sins, might come to life and know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. I, I believe it is our greatest business. Dr. D.L. Moody was witnessing one day to a lost individual. And the individual got very obnoxious and very bothered. And he said to Dr. Moody, that is none of your business. And Dr. Moody said, sir, that is my business. What is your business? What is our business? Our business ought to be winning people to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I've got a great prayer life. Well, why don't you match your prayer life with your fruit life? You know, I was reading several years ago about the Mercedes Benz. Now, I've never owned one. There might be the reason the payments. And Mercedes Benz rank at the highest in all of automobiles as the safest vehicle on the road. They're known especially for making a durable car. And the television commercial I saw was that Mercedes Benz car was lined up and they run it into a concrete wall to prove and to approve their safety devices and the safety of the automobile. It is so far advanced to all the rest that all the other car companies are now embracing their safety techniques, their safety belts, the construction of the car because it saves lives. Mercedes-Benz was asked, do you not, do you not care if the other car companies are using your safety devices after all they're competing with you why don't you trademark or patent your safety devices and Mercedes Benz says there are some things that should be shared I think salvation is so much better than safety devices. I think it would behoove us to take on the Mercedes-Benz mentality and says what we have to share 
is not to be kept and hoarded, but it should be shared with everyone who's breathing God's air. The Bible says that the, the tree of life is a righteous, but the, he that won the souls is wise. Please now look at with me, if you would please, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and I want to show you the master missionary of all times. The master missionary of all times. The Bible says in verse number one, the apostle Paul is speaking, the business of the church is to win people to Christ. And he writes now after about several years after the church has been started. And he's sending a letter back to this church. And he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Where did you ever get the idea? that you have to be a professional to win people to Christ. Well, preacher, I just don't know how to do it. I'm afraid somebody will ask me a question that I can't answer. Somebody will laugh at me if I'm not professional like a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman. So I'll just leave the soul winning business to those folks who have the gift of gab, excellency of speech. Amen, Reverend. <laughs> Paul said, when I came to you, after I had traveled 1,200 miles across sea, across land, riding in my Mercedes automobile, after 10 years, after I left Antioch, I finally came unto you. A city of approximately six to seven hundred thousand folks, Corinth, located on an isthmus that was about ten miles wide. To the south, a seaport approximately seven miles from downtown. In the other direction, another seaport a mile and a half from downtown. Located at the travel route that enabled goods and merchandise from one continent, Asia, to another continent, Europe. So strategically located that it is one of the three major cities of Rome. like Ephesus and the city of Rome. 
a commercial and a military port probably unequaled in that day. The home of the temple Aphrodite who supported and had 1,000 temple prostitutes that left the temple there every evening at dark and made their way into this commercial, this military port to create revenue for the temple. Paul said, when I came to you, you were a religious, commercial, pagan, multicultural city made up of Italians and Greeks and Ethiopians and so forth and so on. Kind of reminds you of America, don't it? Filled with pimps, prostitutes, druggies. People who needed the Lord. Do you know anybody that might need the Lord? Well, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Is anybody listening now? Don't get mad at me because it'll just ruin my golf game after a while. Can I help you a little bit? Notice in the first place, I'd like to show you this morning, Paul's plans to win the people to Christ in this multicultural, heathenistic, pagan place called Corinth. He has a plan. Watch this, verse one. And when I came unto you, he says in verse number one, and brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. When Paul came to Corinth, it was not for a vacation. When Paul had traveled 10 long years, imagine the hardships and the difficulties. Why, if you... If you had a car 10 years old, you're going to have car trouble getting there. He's riding a donkey or walking most of the way. And after 10 y'all, why in the world don't Paul just stay in Jerusalem? After all, he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's a doctor of the law. He could be teaching down in, down at, he could be teaching at the temple, bless your heart, and no telling what kind of money he could raise. But no, he's a, He's going to Corinth. And if I measure it right on the map, it's approximately 1,200 miles. <clears throat> Why would you go 1,200 miles? Why would you spend 10 years of your life getting to a place filled with ungodly, reprobate, queers, whoremongers, and sailors and everything? Why would you do that, Paul? Well, if I don't, they're going to die and go to hell because it don't seem like anybody else is going to go. By the way, who's going to win your neighbor? Well, preacher, I'll give you their 
address. Why would you do that when you already know it? He said, when I came, I had a plan. Notice he had a public plan. Notice back in the book of Acts chapter 18, and that's where the church was started and so forth and so on. Acts chapter 18, the Bible says that Paul had two plans. He had a plan, number one, publicly, and he had a plan privately to win people to Christ everywhere he went, everywhere he went. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I just believe somebody, if they're breathing, they probably need the Lord. You say, preacher, I need a prospect that I can talk to. Just find somebody that's sucking in God's oxygen. Somebody's breathing and you have a prospect. Amen. Say, is your wife alive? Don't answer that. I know your husband. Don't act like he's alive. Do you know they need the Lord? You know your kids need the Lord. Mom and daddy needs the Lord. Uncles and aunts need the Lord. Well, preacher, I'm praying for them. Why? Why don't you just go talk to them? Say, so I don't know what to say. Well, just tell them what happened to you. You said, well, nothing happened to me. Then won't you come talk to me after service? I'll tell you what happened to me. If you notice the apostle Paul, everywhere he went, he always said, let me tell you what happened to me one day on the road to Damascus. Ever, ever heard that story? Huh? Ever heard that story? Hey, can you tell somebody what happened to you? Whatever happened to you, it will work on somebody else. Amen. Notice what it says in Acts chapter number 18. And I'll read for you just a minute. Verse number one. The Bible said, and after these things, after he left Athens on his way to Corinth, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Verse four, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Paul had a public, had a public uh, idea of how to reach people. Now, we come together on church day and we preach the gospel and somebody yawns and said, oh, that's the same thing he preached last week, just a different text. And the Sunday night, Andrew gets up here and he preaches and turns red in the face and cries and slobbers all over the pulpit and wipes snot. We need to buy him a hanky and put on a platform. And, uh, and somebody said, well, him the same tears he used last week, same snot he had last week, same thing last week. I, uh, hey, that's what gets people saved. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you come here today to learn about anatomy and learn about uh, science and learn about the black hole that you can fall in and everything is forgotten. I think I did that when I got married. Because everything I've suggested since then just passed off. I've been voted down everything I've ever tried to do. I tried to buy her Cadillac one day and she said, no, no, I want a Mercedes. <laughs> I'm kidding, honey. I'm kidding. But Paul had a plan. Paul had a plan. On Saturday, he knew where all the Jews was going to be. On Saturday, he knew where everybody was going to be. And on Saturday, he went to where sinners were and that was a public place. Now, we're here to get you saved, not to make you mad. 
We are here to introduce you a place called heaven and to warn you of a place called hell. We're here to tell you about a super, super savior and to warn you of a satanic devil. We're here to warn you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to be your friend, not your enemy. I'm not preaching to you to make you mad. I'm preaching that I may bring conviction to your heart that if you die where you are, you'll die and go straight to hell. You need to realize today that our church is here to win people to Jesus Christ. Not a social gathering. It's here to preach the gospel. He had a plan. He had a public plan. Secondly, notice he had a private plan. Watch this in chapter 18 of the book of Acts and you'll look down just a few verses if you would please and, and you'll notice that he had a, a public plan. Verse seven, watch this. Verse seven, the Bible says, and he departed thence and entered to a certain man's house. Huh? Named Justice, one of the worship God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. That means it's next door. And Christmas, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with what? All his house. The Bible says, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. How long has it been since you've been to somebody's house? with the total intent of telling them just how wonderful Jesus was, how beautiful heaven must be, and how horrible hell must be. Do you have a plan? Joshua Baptist has a plan. That plan is to get people in here and preach to them. And if they don't get saved, we're gonna to go to their house and preach to them. And Acts chapter five, verse 42 said, and daily in the temple, watch this, and in every house, I wonder how many churches daily, every day, preach and teach Jesus Christ if they do not have a Christian school. You mean Joshua Baptist Church is scriptural? Because we have afforded you an avenue by which your children can be preached to every day. And that your church is scriptural? How many churches do you know? that every single day they have the avenue of preaching and teaching every day. You folk look flabbergasted. Why would you have a Christian school preacher to be scriptural? Now you can turn your kids loose anywhere you want to. But I know what they're being taught here. We're not teaching any confused doctrine here. They'll not, be as, they'll not be as confused as a grasshopper sitting in the middle of a highway with her hopper broken. Not around here. Amen. 
because we're going to preach and teach Jesus Christ every single day. Where? At the temple and from house to house. That's missions. The Bible said if we'll do that, we'll be wise. You look fiberglassed and not wise. You look like you don't like me right now. And I look like I don't care. <laughs> You're welcome. There'll be no tongue talking down at Joshua Christian. There'll be no confusion. You see, missions is not just going to Africa. Missions is your front yard. Missions is your church. Missions are your kids. Better hurry up because that went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. Many churches limit their soul winning, their outreach to the congregation on Sunday. Not us. The scripture said they went door to door, house to house, publicly. Does anybody say amen? Well, the preacher, we, we just don't believe in that kind. Well, Paul did. He said, when I came unto you, I came with a plan. I didn't come to impress you with my wisdom. Although the apostle Paul was taught at the feet of Gamel, the apostle Paul was one of the greatest educators of all time. He penned at least 14 books in the New Testament. While traveling in jail, out of jail, beaten, shipwrecked, he still had time to pen 14 books in the New Testament. And I'm sure he could impress the Corinthians with his vernacular. No words that he could not pronounce. No philosophy that he could not embrace. No science that he could not understand. But he said, when I came to you at Corinth, I did not come to impress you with my intellect or my doctorate degrees. He said, I just came to you with the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here today? Well, preacher, if I, could, if I had a degree, I'd go soul winning. I'll buy you a thermometer after church. Everything in the church is to be done is to present a clear presentation of the gospel. The church, every song that is sung should support people to Jesus. Every prayer that is prayed should be prayed that people would receive the Lord. Every classroom that is taught should be pointing people to the Lord. 
when I would just got saved, I'd been saved a couple of weeks. They said they needed a teacher in a fifth grade department. Dear God, I didn't know one verse in the Bible, but here was my opportunity to present the gospel to three fifth grade boys. The last teacher is still hanging in a tree out at back. These three boys had killed several teachers and run off. They were so disrespectful. They were just, they were just little hoodlums in church. But what they didn't know was their teacher is a hoodlum just got in church. I may not be able to find 1 Samuel. That's where I was teaching. If somebody had taken that ribbon and hid it on me, I'd have never found where my Sunday school lesson was. But I knew how to handle smart mouth brats. Now that's been a while ago, mind you. If it had been last week, I'd be in jail tomorrow. But God's tired of excuses. Amen. Do what you can. Do it when you can. Do it as fervently as you can. Do it as quickly as you can. Because you're not going to be able to do it tomorrow. So without knowing one verse in the Bible, without being able to find one chapter in the Bible, they said they need the Sunday school teacher. And I said... Would you let me try? All three of those boys are in full-time service for the Lord. Yeah. Everything that is done at Joshua Baptist Church should point people to Jesus Christ and present the gospel. Understandable. We do not preach the gospel to impress people. We preach the gospel to inform people. And God gives the increase. We do it publicly and we do it privately. Can anybody say amen? Paul said, when I came, I had a plan. 32 years ago, my wife and I started the Joshua Baptist Church with a plan. That plan has not changed. Now the faces have. The people have. But the plan's not changed. It'll be the same tomorrow. It'll be the same next year. And if you're not trying to win people to Jesus Christ, I'll still make you mad next week. And you can look at me like you calf looking at a new gate, don't know whether to jump or run. And I'll look at you and say, I'm talking to you. God is everybody's responsibility to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had a plan. Notice he had a procedure in closing. This is a 10 point outline and I'm just through the introduction. You can breathe. I'm lying. He had a procedure, a procedure, not only a plan, but a procedure. Notice he says, I came unto you 
says, I came unto you with a plan, but I came unto you declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined, watch this, I determined not to know anything among you. In other words, I'm not going to get into your philosophies, into your, into your uh, uh, maybe so, maybe not situation. When I came to you, I didn't come to you to argue. I came to you just presenting unto you, not with actually of speech, but with the power of God. One of the most humbling things that I have ever learned since I've been saved is God does not need my education. And God does not need my expert ability of applying scripture. And God don't need me to be able to memorize the whole book of First Peter. It's a humbling thing to know. All I am is a witness. He gives the increase. You understand that? Some of the meanest people in the world, I've won to the Lord. I've stammered and stumbled through this dumb thing misquoted scripture, probably told him is located in a different place and God gives the increase. I preach on tithing, people get saved. I preach on salvation and folk quit tithing. <laughs> Amen. All God needs is just a vehicle. That's all he needs. He, he don't need smart people, just need a vehicle. He said, he said, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech. So when is the most humbling thing I've ever seen. Now I've got a law, I've got a lot of stuff wrote down, I'm not going to tell you. I was called to pastor a church down in Waco several years ago. The pastor who had preceded me, had been there 30 years. 30 years. And he retired. And they called and asked me to come and preach in view of a call. Now, I'm not much good at preaching in view of a call. And some of the, the pulpit committee was made up of the deacon board. And some of the questions they asked me were just absolutely stupid. One question one of the deacons asked me, he said, Preacher, if the blacks start coming, what are you going to do? I said, nothing. What are you going to do? That ended that deal. And they said to me, there's one stipulation. If you take this church, we do not want any buses. Buses is out. You got that? Comprente, Senor. I said, Comprente, Senor. I understand. No buses. Uh, they made a mistake and they called me. And I just took from what they had suggested that it wasn't going to do any good to vote whether we buy a bus or not. Would you have got that drift? 
I told you, you don't have to be smart to be a soul winner. So, rather than having a big fuss and fight, I just called a friend of mine and bought a bus. Yeah, it wasn't a very smart thing to do, no, it wasn't at all. So I guess I could have hid it out behind the barn so nobody could ever see it, right? No, that's back when I was young and real intelligent. I parked it so that if you walked in that front door of that church, you either had to crawl under it, jump over it, or walk around it. <laughs> yeah, big yellow bus sitting right there where they got to walk by. And you know, back when I was younger, I was kind of cantankerous. And I was watching out the window as the congregation who cares so much about souls, who literally believes in a literal hell, walked by that bus. And I could see them as they'd say, surely he didn't. Does that look like a bus to you? Well, it's yellow. And boy, we had an unusual service that day. I could have preached like I'd just fallen out of heaven and I would have still had the same expressions on everybody's face. Because they're getting ready for the fight. Well, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So when I got through preaching that morning, gave him the invitation. I said, folk, did you notice anything unusual on the parking lot as you walked by this morning? <laughs> Every one of them woke up. And I said, since I've already bought it, why don't we just raise the money right now to pay for it? And I'll give the first hundred. And within about 15 minutes, we paid for the bus. That's the way you vote at a Baptist church. Now, I've got an empty bus, and I need a bus worker. But I don't need an ordinary loser. I need a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman. Close the deal. Fill that bus real quick, or you're going to be looking for a new place to preach. Amen. Now, I've bought the bus, but we need people on the bus. We need a worker on the bus. And I begin to pray, God, send me one of Jack Howell's bus workers that knows how to put people on a bus because I can't be a flop on this first deal. And I preached on who cares about bus kids. Gave, in to, gave the invitation. I'm expecting super salesmen, super dressed, know how to get kids on the bus. And you wouldn't believe, way back in the back, 
an invalid lady, an invalid lady with a drawn arm that she could not write, a lame leg that she could not walk. And she stepped out, started dragging that leg down the aisle. And I said, dear God, I hope she's coming to get saved. Lord, I'll even heal her. If you, I'll I'll lay hands on her. And she drags that leg. And I said, Lord, don't do this to me. I haven't been here that long. She drags the leg down the aisle. Hands me that left arm. In a speech you cannot Hardly understand. Preach for. I want to be the bus My heart went plumb to my shoe soles. Here stands this invalid lady who cannot write the kids' names on a card, who surely cannot visit the streets of Waco to try to get little boys and girls on a bus. A church full of folk, healthy, intelligent, sit there, uncaring, while this lady drags her foot down the aisle and says to me, I had to say yes. And I introduced Miss Pat Ferris as our first bus captain, Bell Mead Baptist Church. About three weeks, she had 40-some kids on the bus. Scores of kids saved. And on Saturday, I'd see her three, four, five hours a day Dragging that foot, dragging that leg, knocking on doors. Not with excellent speech. Not even with enticing words. But with the power of God. What's your excuse? What's my excuse? The reason Paul was such a great man was not because of his education. Because it's his heart. He said, I know it'll take me 10 years to get to Corinth, but that's an ungodly city. Maybe 600,000 folks don't know the Lord. 200,000 may be bond, may be free men, but 400,000 slaves. 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 Physically but slaves spiritually and bonded by devil and all of its vices. Paul said, it might take me 10 years, 1,200 miles, but the rewards will be worth the hardship. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that won a souls is wise.